filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. So on Friday, I, I got off of work early and, and caught the Screaming Eagles bus up to Chester, um, where I met up with Ryan and, you know, uh, obviously talked with, with folks on the bus, uh, listeners and readers uh, from the podcast and the site. I, I talked with Filming Girl. I talked with David Rusk. Um, I met Ilricht. Uh, That's Mayor Rusk bus. to you. That is Mayor Rusk. Um, I, and I had a good time talking to, to all of them. And and then the game happened, which was less fun, um, not only because it, it wasn't a, a great game, which we'll get into later, I'm sure, uh, but also because uh, the just they, they kind of had us sardined into a little area. But after the game, I, I caught an Uber to the train station in Philly and hopped the train up to New York and went to the shellacking at Yankee Stadium on Saturday, 7 nothing to the Red Bulls. I was... That rooting against the Red Bulls for the second consecutive week, and it was much less successful this time than it was at RFK Stadium. Uh, so one converted baseball stadium was good for rooting against the Red Bulls. The other was not. Um, and then I went to Hamilton that night, and it was wonderful, and everything I wanted it to be and more. And then I came back on Sunday, and that was my weekend. What did you guys do? Watch more soccer. Good work. Did you also- go to two soccer games? No, only the one. <laughs> I also watched more soccer. That's good. Soccer's good. Hamilton. Uh, it is wasn't. Good. It I wasn't, maintain. It wasn't good to our region's teams. Uh, the spirit had true. like the worst thirty minutes. They'll probably play all year at the worst time and lost four one. So is the NWSL final going to be the Spirit versus the Thorns? Uh, it's possible, but I mean the Orlando Pride are good. Um, Chicago Red Stars are very good. So there are basically four teams that have differentiated themselves already. Uh, but, you know, there's gonna still be the, we're still only it's six. It's going to be the Boston. What? Go ahead, Ben. It's going to be the Boston Breakers. Uh, the Breakers won, uh, which I I predicted uh, a day in advance. I want everyone to know. Calling that. calling a breakers win is so far out of left field that it qualifies well, as a hot take. They were playing FC Kansas City, who are the other team that had no wins on the season and have been decimated by players retiring or having to miss the season injured. So it was the least hot take uh, hot take that you could take in takes. How very Jason of you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I am Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com. That's where we write about DC United. We cover the Washington Spirit. We cover the Richmond Kickers, the U.S. men's and women's national teams, uh, and lots more in the world of MLS and uh, soccer. Uh, today we are talking about DC United's loss in Philadelphia, which I mentioned earlier. We're also going to preview DC United's upcoming trip to Sporting Kansas City, the third of three consecutive Friday night games on Unimas uh, for the Black and Red. Before we do, do anything, to football. Before we do anything, though, Ben, 
What are you drinking? So I'm going back to a Richmond classic. It's a beer that reminds me of summer for specific reasons, not related at all to its characteristics of a, as a beer. But I'm going with a Richmond original Legend Brown Ale. It's been around for over 20 years. It reminds me of summer because Legend has the best uh, deck of any Richmond brewery. It overlooks the James River right in downtown. It's lovely out there to just sit and have a beer. So that's why it reminds me of summer. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I went with a pretty uh, a, a classic of the show. Um, today, uh, we're recording on Tuesday. Today was the first warm day of May. Uh, it's We're now in late May. We're, we basically lost a month of actual nice weather that oh, we normally get. The nicest get. weather. Right. Like we, we, we lost, other than maybe like the September-October period, we lost one of our, our best times to just this garbage extension of March, which is – Irritating to all hell. Lefty, um, smart stupid. weather. Exactly. But today, uh, today was was pleasantly warm. Uh, so I made myself a classic gin ricky with nice. uh, Tanqueray. Um, I uh, made it with a gigantic lime. As I was telling the guys before he came on, the lime, the slice of lime is too big for this glass, um, and it is sort of pushing the ice cubes down. It's sort of like fighting them and is succeeding. It's not just fighting them. It's succeeding and taking over the top portion of the glass. I have to sort of knock it aside to get at the rest this of lime, the drink. The lime is constantly reminding you that you murdered it and it wants its vengeance. Well, I mean, it was probably murdered by the person that took it off the tree or by gravity. <laughs> I am actually, I dispute that uh, in most, in most tree based uh, fruit industries if it falls to the ground they're actually not really allowed to pick it back up off the ground yeah that's true because they don't want it to look uh slightly ugly right so i have a friend who grew up on an apple farm and the apples that fell to the ground would be the cider apples interesting i don't this know if been, i mean that's interesting or not this has been filibuster the random fruit products united podcast we're gonna assume it was uh fermented cider and so it connects with our you know our core values uh of drinking uh, somehow probably it, it probably was and on that note uh i had too good of a weekend and uh so i decided to punish myself by finishing what little rum i had left if you remember a couple weeks ago i i had uh mojito to uh, punish myself for dc united sins uh, i i had entirely too much fun and uh, doing entirely too many things in New York this weekend. So I am having another uh, mojito with the last vestiges of that rum. And I'm going to say that superstition that we won after I had a mojito uh, and did not win the following week when I didn't has nothing to do with it. And you're free to believe that or not as you choose. And you have to drink rum forever. Oh, God. Please don't do this to me, Jason. It's for the greater good. The greater good. My, uh, Adam, Adam, my sincere legal advice is that you should continue to drink rum. I may have to call the Ehrlich Law Office on this one. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can accept your advice on this. On to the soccer. DC United conceded in second half stoppage time, uh, allowing Richie Marquez's, I think it was his first career MLS goal uh, for the, the Philadelphia defender and the black and red fell to the union one to nothing Friday night. Uh, this was, uh, let's start at the end, I guess. 
Jason, what happened on that goal? Because it, there was a free kick that seemed to have been cleared, and then all of a sudden the ball was in the net. Yeah, uh, United didn't really... I mean, they, they got the ball far away from goal, but I mean, clearing the ball doesn't just mean kicking it up the field and that's the end of it. Um, you really need to make sure that the team isn't in a position, especially at that stage in the game while their their larger players are still up the field. Uh, you want to make sure that there's at least long enough before it gets pumped back in that those players have decided to go back to where they belong. Um, and Marquez, after the game, actually said that he had that moment of having to make that decision. It was just long enough for him to be like, so should I stay up and stay alive on this play or should I go back to central defense to, because it's a 0-0 game? And unfortunately, when he looked for the ball, he saw Sebastian Latou about to set himself up for a cross. So he said, you know what? I'm going to stay up here for this. Also, I couldn't help but notice that I'm like 20 yards from anyone else on the field because I've been left completely alone. Um, if United can get somebody out to front Latou for even one second to make him take one extra touch to, to get around, to get a new angle to cross, Marquez probably decides to run back. There's no one to cross to, and we're talking about a sloppy 0-0 draw. Um, but, you know, those are the kind of mistakes that United has made too many times this year where um, they're nearly out of danger, and then they're, they're just not quite good enough on a certain play, uh, you know, a little thing goes wrong somewhere and uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's uh, it's kind of an irritating goal to give up because otherwise, uh, as much as the game wasn't fun to watch and, and was, you know, pretty boring for everyone involved, um, I saw a tweet from one of the Philadelphia beat reporters pointing out that um, of Philadelphia's, I think it was five shots on goal, four were from either Richie Marquez or Fabinho, who was the left back, meaning that the, the front six for the Union took one shot on goal the entire game. Um, so United did really well in the run of play to limit um, limit those chances. I mean, the Union did hit the post, but that was also from a free kick. Uh, but, you know, the set piece thing is still an issue. This wasn't, you know, this is kind of a gray area as to whether you're going to count this as a goal on a set piece or not. But um, in my book, at least, you're not done with the set piece until you're really done with it. And with Marquez staying forward, United wasn't out of the wood yet and, um, they, uh, they paid for it. So, um, it's, it's an extremely disappointing. It's one thing to get a zero, zero draw when you play pretty poorly, but at least you can say, well, the defending was good enough to limit Philadelphia. You know, both teams cancel each other out. So be it, um, to lose like that is, uh, all of a sudden all the good things about, the, you know, all these silver linings in that kind of performance go out the window. Cause now it's just, you lost, you played badly and there's, that's it. So we, you talked about the defense and it was, it was pretty strong for most of the game. Um, a few chances here and there, notwithstanding, uh, the finishing and the chance creation at the other end, not so, not so great. United had, I think 14 shots, only two of which were on goal. Not all of that was down to bad finishing. Some of it was, was half chances and, and getting two balls that, that were difficult to put on goal. Sabaria was surprisingly active and we'll, we'll talk about him more in a minute. Mm. But but Ben, let's let's talk about that finishing because this is not the first game that finishing has been an issue. Yeah, and it's a team that doesn't, especially with a Spindola on the bench, doesn't really have natural finishers. Uh, Nierko has been one of the prime goal score goal scorers so far this year, and his his historical high is four, so he's not a natural finisher. Uh, Lamar Nagel has his. Uh, 
all-time high is a little higher than that, but still, he's not really a natural goal scorer. Uh, Sabrio is the closest to that, and he has been that in the past, but he hasn't really shown that consistently this year. Uh, Acosta is a creator and, and, and is not yet a goal scorer, and then that's your that's your front four. That's the people who are supposed to be scoring goals for you. And so that's the best case argument for Fabiana Spindola coming back in, which he will now that Sabarillo is off to uh, Costa Rica camp. But it's it's a weird situation. Yeah, Jason. And, no, and even Spindola isn't a really a natural finisher either. Um, yeah. yeah, no, he's you not. Know, the, the but he's the... With, he's the, the I, I would oh, yeah. say that the thing with Espindola is that if he were a better finisher, he probably wouldn't be in MLS. Um, he would have played here a couple of years and then jumped. Um, but, you know, at, at a certain point, at least, you know, inside the box, he's had a couple games where he's looked fairly sharp and other games where he never gets in the box. So we never even find out if his finishing is good or bad. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it. It has been a need all season. We knew coming in that. You know, either a Spindolo is going to have to finish at a little higher rate than normal, or Sabarillo is going to have to be more active and reliable than normal. Um, Al Haji Kamara has been brought in, uh, but we have no real idea how he's going to look. We are also. I will say, I will say on Kamara, uh, in a video United released this week, uh, they were doing free crossing and finishing drills, and he finished a goal on Bill Hamid. Granted, he was unmarked. The guy crossing the ball was unmarked, but it looked like it was right. Kamara that, that headed the ball and, and, put too much power on it for Bill Hamid to stop. So I'm choosing to take that as a good sign. Right. But we're still an unknown number of weeks before he'll be able to play. And we're um, ignoring the fact that there were zero defenders. Yes. Other than Bill Hamid there. Well, you, no, you mentioned it. Um, yeah. Which, I just think it's worth yeah. that. that we're that's looking, also we're grasping at straws. It. We're grasping we at straws. Uh, this yeah. team does not have a proven MLS out and out goal scorer that doesn't have, I mean, Sabrio was that player as Ben mentioned, but you know, now, there are games where he looks like that guy. And there are also games where he's active and can't finish. That was, you know, against uh, Philly against NYCFC. Um, year. There are other games where he's just inactive and you never even get to see whether he's going to have a good finishing night or not. Yeah. Sabarillo is your family's old Subaru Forester. That's just a tank. And that's still running, even though it's as old as you are. And, uh, Sometimes it, it'll do something and you're like, wow, this is still a really good car. And then the rest of the time it's like, oh, this is kind of an old car. Maybe maybe we should uh, upgrade it. That was a terrible analogy. I apologize. That's not a bad idea. The upgrading is not a bad no. idea. I got to where <laughs> I wanted to, but the storytelling wasn't great. <laughs> like a bad, like a bad, like an old Subaru Forester? Sure, Ben. I was, My family I didn't think, have I think a there the better analogy would be Game of Thrones. It gets to where it wants to, but the storytelling isn't always there. So does that mean we can upgrade to a Bentley when DC United si- signs Zlatan? <laughs> Zlatan is beyond... He's like a... He's a Bugatti, man. <laughs> he's, he's beyond a Bentley. He's he's more... He's more a supercar, I think. But let's let's stop having our knockoff brand of Top Gear and talk about soccer. That sounds good. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to let the awkward silence. <laughs> uh, we, not a lot of good chances going either way in this one. Um, Luciana Costa got pulled off. Uh, 
I think he might have even been the first sub for for United. He was in the second half, and he looked displeased about it. Um, I think Steve Goff tweeted out afterward that his uh, gesturing and uh, verbalizations were were more down to not really speaking the same language as Ben Olsen, and also to uh, his complaint that he wasn't getting enough of the ball, rather than why are you taking me off? You you know I'm trying to show you off show you up kind of thing. Jason, what did you make of this in the moment? And now that we're removed from it by a few days, what do you make of it now? Uh, I didn't make much of it at the time. Uh, I believe my reaction on Twitter at, at the moment was to point out that if this game were more interesting or being played at a higher level by both teams, that we would be not, it would be, have been brushed off. It would have been like, well, you know, Costa doesn't look happy about coming off, but let's go back to the game. Cause there's all these things happening, but because the game was sloppy and boring, uh, and a lot, especially in that in that stretch of play, it was a particularly poor stretch of play for both teams. Um, it became one of the only things to discuss of the game um, because, yeah. and boy, did it get discussed! Oh yeah. Uh, well, I think I think at this point, anything Acosta does is going to be discussed because we see how skillful he is, and we see what a difference maker he can be. But it, sometimes we forget. I mean, we're talking about a twenty-one year old, um, and. I personally don't think Olsen is going to be bothered by this at all because you're looking for, uh, um, you know, this is a team that really wants every player on the field to buy into that level of intensity. Um, Olsen wants every single player to be very wound up and intense, but not going over the edge. Um, And that requires a certain level of anger, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. And when you tell a player uh, that, has that that emotional investment in what's going on that they're being pulled and they've had a bad game and he probably knew he was playing badly. Um, you know, you don't want to you, you know it, but you don't want to necessarily be like, oh, yeah, I really played bad. It's it's more just like, God damn it. Um, so you come off the field and you're not happy in the moment. So what do you do? You know, you react and, you know, Olsen Spanish, as far as we know, isn't it's it's pretty basic. Um, Acosta's English. I hope at it's this better point, than. Than Jesse Marshall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, mucho trabajo. Um, I'm sure that really Comprende? helped. I'm sure that really helped Gonzalo Verón figure out how to succeed uh, in that game, uh, being told to work hard. Because um, I'm sure he was also thinking, like, I'm going to go around on the field and I'm not going to run at all. Like, Marsh came over and told him, mucho trabajo. He's like, oh, well, then I guess I will run around. Um, but anyway, um, you know, you've got a, a language barrier. You've got a player who's who's dialed up and also wasn't having a good game. I, I think it's a natural thing that's going to happen. It's not the best thing in the world to see a player and a coach having some brief argument of the player um, clapping back a little bit at the coach. But as long as his, you know, as long as he's not making it personal, as long as whatever he's saying back to Olsen isn't like, you know, a personal attack or anything, if he's just disagreeing over being substituted, um, I mean, any coach in the world, no, no one wants a player that's like, no, I'm fine with coming off. This is great. I'm, I wanted to sit on the bench. Right. Um, and after the game, Acosta was saying the right things. He was saying, right. we were heated up and and I, I respect his decision. And it's right. Well, and also and also after the game, Ben Olsen was like, yeah, we probably should have gotten him the ball more. And yeah. so I think right. I think everybody is I think everybody's fine. Yeah, no, I think it, it, all right, we spent too much talking about this. Too yeah, much time talking yeah, about this non-event, I think. Uh, but but we had to because it was a non-event that was much discussed online. Uh, 
let, let's look forward a little bit um, where we know for at least a couple games, DC United will be without the services of Steve Birnbaum and Alvaro Sabarillo, both of whom are currently with their national team camps. Birnbaum, obviously, with the U.S., Sabo with Costa Rica. Um, how do we adapt for for these next couple of games? Uh, possibly more if, if either uh, side... Uh, advances out of the group stages and they're both in the same group so right. there's, there's a good chance at least one of them will advance i'm not going to say which one is more likely to advance because it'll make me sad i think but uh, <laughs> or maybe not so sad because the more important player will return to united earlier maybe silver lining so how did ben ben how does united cope without Sabarillo and Birnbaum on the field uh, I mean, the uh, Birnbaum absence is fairly obvious. Uh, Kofi Apari is going to come in and uh, work with Bobby Boswell. And it, it'll be good to see what Kofi can do this year. Uh, early, earlier in the season, he was not that great. But hopefully with knowing that he's going to be in, he's known he's going to be coming in here for a while now. Uh, hopefully he's been working with Bobby and getting some time together. And hopefully they can find a good partnership and Kofi can show what he can do and yeah. And hopefully they can perform seamlessly uh, with Sabo. It's probably going to be a Spindola because I, at some point we have to figure out how a, spin, a Spindola and Acosta can work together. If, if they can, I mean, if they can't, this season's trash until Al Haji Kamara can uh, be the magical savior. But Fabi and Acosta have to figure out how to do something together. Uh, and luckily for DC United, they're in the East. They still have some time to figure it out. They're still, I think, what, four or five points out of first place in the East. And so well, they're, they're still, they're only out of the playoff spot by a tiebreaker. If I'm by, not mistaken. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm pretty sure they're only like four or five spots out of first. Well, right and now, so, actually, right now, United's one point out of the playoffs. Orlando is, is it, oh, it's one point now. It, okay. Orlando is okay. one point ahead, but United's only five points out of first. Right. Yeah, exactly. So thankfully the East is forgiving even more so this year than in past years. And so we don't want them to have to take more time to figure it out, but in all reality, they do have more time to figure it out. Uh, and But Acosta and Espindola need to figure it out soon. If they haven't figured it out by the time Sabarillo gets back, I think you have to go back to Sabarillo. It's been not great, but it's been the best we've seen so far this season. And then we're just biding time until uh, Ahaji Kamara can start to show us what he can do. If... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going a bit further on Birnbaum, we're we're getting close, I think, to where there's smoke, there there must be fire because we've heard several teams in Europe mentioned as potentially sniffing around United's big center back. Uh, first was Maccabi Haifa in Israel. Then there was the um, exciting but frankly silly rumor that uh, Borussia Dortmund. We're, we're interested in him. It's it's fairly similar. It's almost as it's the Maccabee Haifa one was almost as silly. Well, I mean, there's no way he's going to the Israel for a different yeah, reason. Exactly. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Like like, yeah, he's he's probably not going to go to play in the a Israel worse, league a worse league for a team less. that is not a guarantee to go to Europe every year. Which even though Maccabee Haifa is probably the the one team in Israel anyone has ever heard of, uh, they they're not a lock to 
finish at the top of that league and go to Europe every year. So they're not, I don't think they're in Europe next year. So this is a no, team that, that isn't a particularly attractive destination no. uh, for an ambitious player. Bruce Dortmund, however, much more attractive destination, but probably not interested in a 25 year old uh, MLS center back who is just getting his, his first real caps with the, the national team. A side that might make more sense is, say, a team in the Dutch league, they, the Eredivisie, uh, like uh, Feyenoord, who is the latest team to be connected. Uh, in the Dutch league, Feyenoord in particular has produced think, some some really good center backs a, over the years. I think you're adding an extra R to their name. Oh, I am? Yeah. Okay. Feyenoord? Yeah. Okay, Feyenoord. Uh, they produce some good center backs. The Dutch league, obviously known as a technical uh, and and even tactical development league, uh, which Birnbaum might be a little bit on the old side for transitioning to that now. But I, you couldn't really complain if he if he went there, especially since Feyenoord is and, is pretty much a lock for Europe at this point. And and not everyone there is a young player developing. I mean, right. the, it's not like these clubs only see themselves as a stepping stone. They are they are looking for guys that can be you know there for five years as a, as a mm-hmm. strong contributor. So, um, and also, and most of the Dutch national team plays there too. I, I, if I were, I wouldn't be surprised if, the, if they were to make a move that they would be thinking, this is just for us. This isn't about like, let's train this guy for a year and sell him again. Though if someone came along, you know, they probably would. They're not, uh, yeah, I think, not, no one in the Netherlands is in a position to not sell. Right. In a broader sense, the, the Dutch league is kind of the model for where the, where MLS needs to go for its next step, where they have established teams that can compete in international or on the international stage, but they also are, have teams that are constantly, even their best teams are constantly churning out good prospects for better league. And and your players don't get immediately disqualified from national team service just for playing in your league. Right. Also, also that looking at Italy, where Sebastian Jovinko and Pirlo were both left off their Euro squad, um, and the manager had some very not nice things to say about MLS and players who choose to play here. We won't get further into that, but uh, suffice to say, Birnbaum could be, uh, or United could be, without Birnbaum services for a longer spell starting this summer after Copa America. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. United has said they're not interested in selling, and I certainly don't want them to to sell him at this point because we need him. <laughs> we need Birnbaum so badly. But, on, I mean, at a certain point, an offer if, comes yeah, in that's high some, enough that you exactly. can't say no. Um, yeah, if they, somehow got, if they somehow got Andy Nahar money, he's gone. Um, and that's just the reality for any MLS team. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially a team that is losing money, but, you know, any MLS team is going to, you know, even even the New England Revolution are going to sell if the money is right. Um, though, you know, they might not understand what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it all depends on what the offer is, really, in the end. Um, and who and, knows? Maybe and the twist is that Halstey steps in at center back and becomes a best eleven player for the rest of the year. Who knows? Who? I'm grasping again. <laughs> We're gonna have a lot of straws at the end of the show. We really are. Hopefully, hopefully we'll grab some straws and not just air uh, as we grasp for the straws. I'm just going to take every metaphor to the breaking point tonight. 
And on that delightful note, we will be right back. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But But if this were a hostile work environment or if I were trying to steal your wages or, or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not, uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the district of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich law office. It is the Ehrlich law office. Uh, they, they offer discrimination wage and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. chika chika Welcome back. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It's time now to talk about the Sporks. Sporting Kansas City have been not unlike DC United this year. They've been inconsistent. They've been mistake prone. They have uh, been very beatable, including at home, uh, which is important coming up because DC United will visit. Don't call it Sporting Park. Uh, it's now, I think, Children's Mercy Park. Yes. Uh, out there in Kansas City, Kansas. Merciless Park. Well, it, hopefully it'll be very merciful to us. It's, been, it's merciful. been very merciful this year. Uh, 7 p.m., that game will be on Unimas and Univision Deportes. Fiernes uh, de Football. Yes. Now I will not object to you saying that right there. Uh, so we're going to talk about what happens when the stoppable force meets the movable object this this <laughs> Friday night, uh, which I don't think is how Univision is going to, or MLS is going to advertise this match, but that's definitely what it is. Both teams are below the red line in their respective conferences. Um, Jason, is this the usual sporting Kansas City team that we've gotten used to seeing? Uh, no. <laughs> um, okay, no, next not- question. Not not even a little. I mean, they are trying to do the same things. It's just not working for them right now. Um, they want to be a high-pressure team, but uh, they haven't really been as successful about it. Um, they've had some some problems with, with veteran players losing form. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Peter Vermes, uh, he didn't name specific names, but he said, there are players that are not living up to our standards and we're going to make changes. And then the next week he changed, like, he dropped like seven players. Um, including, including some big ones. Right. Uh, Benny Failhaber got dropped for one game. Um, that was the game that 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 next game. He was one of the people dropped. Um, Chance Myers has been I think he played one midweek game since then, but otherwise has been relegated to second choice. Um, Amadou Dia, who had been starting at left back all season, has been not just dropped. But I don't, he wasn't even on the bench uh, over the weekend against RSL. Um, so they've they've. Vermes is clearly unhappy with a lot of things. Um, another thing he's lost is that 
um, without Christian Namath up front, they don't really have. They're playing four three three, but they're not playing it with. Last year it was two forwards and Graham Zusi sort of dropping off the line and creating. Um, now it's Zusi and Davis both dropping off a lot of the time. Uh, so the numbers they get into the box are lower. That was actually a complaint Vermes had at halftime of the RSL game was that they weren't getting enough numbers forward in general. Um, so it, it's been, uh, you know, a kind of a, a mix of things going wrong for them. Uh, they changed, they, they added a new center back, uh, Nuno Coelho from uh, Portugal, who's been very good. The problem has been Matt Beisler has not been very good next to him. Um, and uh, U.S. men's national team center back, Matt yes. Beasley, presumptive uh, starter at Copa America, Matt okay. Beasley. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as much as you can presume anything yeah. with Klinsman. Um, the only thing I presume with Klinsman is that Michael Bradley will start somewhere. Who knows where? Probably uh, not start, as a defensive Engel. midfielder. He'll be the start, start starting center back, Chris Wondolowski. But uh, Kansas City, it's been there's a reason why. I mean, they have 17 points. But they've played 14 games, which is tied with uh, Dallas. I'm looking at this now. Dallas as the Dallas and Kansas City have 14. No one else has played more than 13. Um, on a points per game basis, I think Kansas City is no better than the 13th best team in the league on points per game. Uh, their home record is three wins, three losses, and a draw. Um, yeah, it's definitely. Can, Vermes wants his team to do what they've always done. He wants the plan A to work, but between the roster being slightly different this year and guys losing form, and and honestly, I'm, I it's speculation on my part, but I, I'm starting to get suspicious as to whether the hard-nosed message that Vermes sends out week in and week out, I'm starting to wonder if for certain players if that's just, it just falling on dead ears at this point. Um Probably, you know, if, if you drive your players as hard as he does all the time, at a certain point, you're going to wear them out and they're either going to, you know, temporarily start ignoring you or permanently just be like, I don't care what this guy has to say. I've heard every motivational thing he's going to say. I know what's coming. It doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything for me um, yeah, to draw a parallel to non soccer sports in the U.S. The kind of coach that Vermees is, you usually see at the college level more than the professional levels. The, the super, I mean, professional coaches can be super intense, but in, in football and especially in basketball, I guess is what I'm thinking about. You see coaches like that at the college level where they only have you for four years at most. And then after that, you're gone. And it's not necessarily enough time for their message to become diluted for you to become immune to it. Uh, whereas when you're a professional, you're there, you, could be in a city for a very long time. Um, like some of his guys at sporting Kansas city are. And, and so maybe you, the message doesn't resonate as much with you after that, especially when it's a hard nose, work hard, uh, press hard kind of thing, uh, which Vermes does. But that brings me to my next question. Ben is the sporting performance this year hurting Vermees's chances to succeed Jurgen Klinsmann. Mostly <laughs> I just want to talk about life after Jurgen Klinsmann, even if it has nothing to do with this game. Cause Peter Vermees is actually a viable candidate for the U S men's national team coaching position. No, no, he shouldn't be. Well, welcome to the present, Ben. We're running a real country. Yes. <laughs> running a real uh, nation. I think nation. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, Vermees is a trash person who has trash tactics and <laughs> shouldn't. I mean, at least he would have a system that he would impose, unlike Jurgen. But uh, 
Yeah. Uh, at this point, I can't really see Vermees taking over the national team. I think he'd be a couple people down the rung. I think uh, the the main U.S.-based choice right now would probably be Oscar Pereja if they could pry him away from uh, FC Dallas or – Maybe Caleb Porter has redeemed himself in the eyes of people, not in my eyes, but in the eyes of other people. The Portland Timbers, by the way, uh, two points behind Sporting Kansas City with a game in hand this year. Right, exactly. Um, Siggy Schmidt was a possibility. I don't think that's really a possibility anymore either. Uh, Maybe the insane magic that has been Pablo Mastroeni this year. No, (laughs) no, no. No, bet. All right, you're done. We're not talking about <laughs> that anymore. We mentioned Steve Birnbaum earlier. Just look at that mustache. The mustache. He got rid of it. He got rid of it, and I, I talked to him at the Super Draft, and he said it wasn't coming back. We're done. Okay. <laughs> uh, we talked about Birnbaum and Saborio being missing for DC United this week. Uh, the Sporks will be missing their own contingent of players. Three players gone for Copa America. Uh Matt Beasler and Graham Zusi, for some reason, are going to be off with the U.S. men's national team. And Sonny Mustavar will be with Haiti um, for for the tournament. Jason, what changes do do those absences uh, force on on Vermees in Kansas City? I, the the Beasler one is the most straightforward. They're going to bring uh, Ike Opara in. Um, and uh, that's it. I mean, they don't have too many other options. Kevin Ellis, uh, who isn't particularly good in the first place, he did get better over the course of last season, but he's been injured. He's got a, some sort of groin problem. So um, Opara will have no real competition for those minutes. Um, so he'll step in. He'll give them more speed and, and much better aerial ability than Beasler, but he's much less good with the ball at his feet. Um, and Beasler is the team captain. I mean, he hasn't been playing well. And in fact, um, it's funny watching the game because it was the Kansas City feed. Um, the Kansas City announcers are extremely biased towards Sporting Kansas City, and even they had to admit that Beasler was responsible for one of the goals. It was actually two. He made the biggest mistake on two different goals in a game they lost by two goals. Um, so this might not be this might be kind of a blessing in disguise for them because Beasler has not been good this year. Um, but on the other hand, it does hurt the way they like to, to have a lot of possession. And losing a center back that can play with the ball. I think Coelho is pretty good with the ball at his feet too, but um, losing one of those players, it definitely it's going to be a negative towards their ability re- to retain the ball. Um, but it does give them a lot in the air. And Opara has had some success against DC uh, in the times he's been fit, fit enough to play. I think he's got two or even three goals against United over the years, um, which is amazing because he's barely been able to play more than 10 games at a time. He's just had horrible luck. Um, but he's healthy right now, so he'll be the guy. Um, Mustavar, it's probably going to be Lawrence Olam, um, who also adds more size, but he's a lot less skillful with the ball. And he's also, he's not slow, but he's not agile. He's not um, light on his feet. Uh, he, he tends to lumber around in central midfield. So United might want to look at attacking him because you can get him trying to pull out of position and he's not going to be quick enough to get there. Um, there's a reason why when Kansas city had to rely on him as a starter over the years that they've, they've struggled as a result. He's, he is okay, but he's definitely a step down from uh, Mustavar. And before that, for when Uri Rosella was there, was there um, 
Olam was a big step down there too. So the, it slows them down. It makes them more physical and less skillful and less uh, less able to play at the pace they would like. Um, the one that the the trickier switch is really with Zusi because uh, with Namath gone, they don't really have anyone that just walks in. They they signed uh, Diego Rubio, uh, ch- a young Chilean player with a you know high potential, good reputation from South America, but he has not really earned any minutes at all. Um, part of the problem is that unlike Namath last year came in and it was like, well, he'll be Dwyer's backup and maybe he can force his way in as a wide forward. And he was great as a left forward. Uh, Rubio looks like he's only a center forward and on that team, that's Dom Dwyer's job. So Rubio is probably not the replacement for Zussi. Um, Jacob Peterson has made an impact uh, a couple times this season off the bench, but in other, other weeks, I mean, he's been a, an afterthought. Um, and you know, Peterson will offer, offer the work rate and bravery, but there's no special skill there at all. Um, what they might do is use Jimmy Madronda, uh, which is a weird situation because he's a natural central midfielder, but they've been so happy with him. They've been putting him all over the field. He hasn't played central midfield. It's been all over the place. Um, he started for, uh, uh, against RSL. He started at left back. Um, before that he was playing as a right forward, um, uh, you know, as far up, far from left back as you could be. Um, Madrona's a hard worker. He's he's skillful. He actually um, uh, set up the goal that Kansas City got this weekend, uh, and it wasn't from getting up the wing and hitting in a cross. It was dribbling past somebody, cutting inside, and making a central midfielder sort of pass. Um, he if he moves up, um, it does add some creativity. And he's um, Vermes loves the fact that he pressures so well, but um, he's not a natural forward. Uh, and that will that is good news for United. Um, but to move him up, they need somebody to play left back. So they need uh, Seth Sinovich to get healthy. He's been injured. I think he's had like three different injuries this year. Um, he's working on uh, I think he's like got a groin strain or something right now. Um, or they can recall Amadou Dia. But we already talked about how he has been put in the dog. It appears he's in the doghouse right now. Um, so I'm not really sure who Zussi, who's going to step in for Zussi. They are going to play. Vermes is definitely going to stick with a 4-3-3. Um, but it might be a good time to be playing them because the obvious solution as to what to do without Zussi is not clear yet. Um, so we get the game where they're sort of rolling the dice, um, which is a good time to be playing them. Um, and it's also a good time to play them because uh, right now, I mean, they the body language um, of the players, Vermes himself, um, the crowd in Kansas city looked like they were not, I mean, they're, they're always pretty brittle there. Um, when things are going great they're they're having a great time. And when things get tough, they get really, really brittle real fast. Um, and they, they sort of lose their, lose their happiness and lose the ability to stay loud and support the team. And RSL made it happen by just staying solid for a while, waiting for the mistake and pouncing on it, which DC has done in Kansas city before. Um, it has been a little while, but, uh, it's an effective way to play against Kansas city. You, you stifle them for a while and, and let them get frustrated and then wait for them to hand you a mistake. It's been working all year. Yeah. Uh, the other way of playing at sporting parks where DC United has had some success is pressing them back when they were a decent pressing team. And this is true actually for a lot of pressing teams. If you can handle pressing them back, they don't know how to deal with that. That's, 
surprisingly common among teams that like to high press is if you punch them back in the mouth, they back down and they, they crumble and United won at sporting Kansas city. What was it? Three to nothing. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago by pressing them back at signet at, at it, the early, right time, early yeah, starting very um, early doing that. And it, it just broke them. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how viable that is, as a strategy that would be for Ben Olsen in this team. Uh, Early in the game, I would say it's a good idea, but you need to not just press them, but to get out in front. Um, if if United gets out and gets their goal in the first fifteen minutes, then um, you can you can you know reap the benefits. Otherwise, you've got to sort of stand off um, because Kansas City is very they're very emotional right now, and if you take the lead on them uh, before halftime, you are probably going to win. They they don't seem like they have it together enough to make a comeback. Um, what seems to be happening with them is that they lose the lead or they, they fall behind and they get nervous and they get rattled. They start forcing things that aren't there. And then there are more mistakes that for to hit them on the counter. Um, RSL really didn't look to press them at all. Um, for the first, I want to say, uh, when did this happen? I've got this written down. It, it was about 25 minutes before RSL attempted to press them at all. But, once Kansas City started to get frustrated with the fact that the game wasn't going their way and started to force things and get uh, a little lackadaisical, a little they lost that little bit of an edge. Um, and the goal came from RSL deciding, like, why don't we try pressing now? Like, now that we've got them in a bad way, let's get after it. And sure enough, um, I think it, it was the first or second time they high-pressed in the entire game. Um, and it ended up forcing a bad pass from Matt Beasler, and and it was like twenty five yards out from goal where this came from. So, um, United, I, my advice would be uh, to maybe look at pressing in the first five ten minutes, and if it's not working, sit in and frustrate um, and wait for Kansas City to lose their way, and then maybe close the half with some high pressure. But it's got to be. I don't think they can. I don't think United is built to go in and just, you know, go um, see who can press the best um, between these two teams. Right. I think they have to be very judicious about it, um, and they have to ride the fact that Kansas City is so brittle right now as a group. Um, on the other hand, you know, United hasn't been necessarily as emotionally strong and emotionally dialed in as they were last year, so um, they have to prove that they can be that team that does that um, to another team. Uh, because Kansas City, you can break them right now if you if you handle it right. But uh, getting through those first five, ten minutes are going to be important because Kansas City is going to be desperate to score. They they come out every game like they have to score in the first ten minutes. Um, but that's also a prime. The, the, the thing is, they're open. They open themselves up so much early that they op- they leave you with a really great opportunity to just put them behind early and and have eighty minutes of them being stressed out and a mess. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to watch if United just purely bunkers for that first half hour, or if they try to, to get that first goal early when Kansas city is so wide open. Um, and then if it doesn't happen, you have the option of waiting through it. But on the other hand, what if they do score? Because emotional teams like that, if they get the one, they tend to get on a roll. Um, so, you know, there's a risk, there's a cost benefit, uh, that United really has to look at this week that, the good news is that there are plenty of options. There's not one way to win this game, but you've got to get it right and you've got to execute uh, either way. You've got to execute the plan. We talked about earlier that United 
gave up what might not go down in the score sheet as a, a set piece goal, but really is related to set pieces against Philadelphia, which adds to a, a tally of a not great record for DC United on, on set pieces this year is where is sporting Kansas city on their set pieces? And is this something we should be worried about? Or is it a, could this be a game where United kind of turns it around and, and figures out set pieces? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they haven't been great defending them. Um, especially with the starting lineup they've assembled this year. Uh, it's, it's not like the teams in the past when Aurelian Cullen was there and they had a few other taller players throughout the team. Um, with uh, Madronda playing a lot. Madronda is, I believe Kansas City said that he was the smallest player in the entire league. Um, so we're talking about a player who's shorter than Luciano Acosta. Um, I, I don't know if he's 5'2 or shorter than that. Um, but he's playing as a defender. Um, the midfield doesn't have any particularly large players um, up front. Zussi, Dwyer, uh, Brad Davis, those guys aren't big. Um, now, on the other hand, they are bringing in Ike Opara. So that changes things because he immediately becomes, um, with Burnbaum not available for United, Opara becomes the best player in the air on the field. Um, so that's something to watch for because uh, Opara is a lot. It's actually United should have some experience dealing with a player like Opara because he's like Burnbaum. He's he's good at getting a couple steps before he attacks the ball. Um, and he's just he's like six four. Um, he's huge. So uh, he's someone to watch out for. Um, Coelho brings some size, uh, and Coelho has a weird, uh, desire to take shots from like 40 yards on set pieces. He does hit the ball pretty powerfully. I'm not sure he's actually a threat to score. Um, but, uh, inside their box, Tim Melia isn't very, I don't think he's very commanding, uh, when set pieces come in. So there's a chance that there's a mistake there with him deciding to come for a ball, but not coming with the sort of authority you need to, um, on the defensive side, I mean, if you if uh, Opare and Boswell Boswell can deal with um, Opara and Coelho, that's pretty much the whole threat. I mean, they do have Brad Davis. Um, he'll be taking the set pieces with Zussi not there, so the delivery is going to be good. But I don't think it's as good as it when it, when he was with Houston and he was at his peak. Um, it was something that they practice all the time. I just get the sense that he's not training at, at it as much anymore because his delivery hasn't been as precise. It's still going to be good. Um, and United needs to be really attentive at the near post, especially that's Davis's, uh, favorite spot is to hit a driven ball to the near post that the goalkeeper can't come for. Um, and it becomes just basically a race to the ball. Um, United might want to invest in having somebody in that space as well as people marking the bigger players just to, you know, have that extra man in there influencing that spot. Um, but, uh, I do think at the other end that Kansas City looks vulnerable to me on set pieces, even with Opara coming in. Um, I, I just get the sense that it's not something that I, I think they've had to spend more time on tactical stuff that they just don't look as well drilled in the past. They look a little loose um, and outside of their center backs, there's no other side. I mean, I guess Olam coming in gives them some size, but he's never been that good in the air um, despite being like six, two or six, three, he, he hasn't really made an impact in those situations. So, um, I think United has a chance to get a set piece goal in this game as long. Uh, I'm, I am concerned about Opara because I feel like he scores every time he plays against United. But, uh, if they can, if they can deal with him, then I feel like United should have at least, they should, they should be at least able to come out of this, even on set pieces, if not actually edging it. 
Um, but, you know, it's all down to execution like we already talked about. Um, Kansas City, I think, is going to notice that United has been bad on set pieces, and United has to pr- start proving the teams that you can't score goals on set pieces. It can't be like, we'll just wait for the set piece and we'll get our goal there. Um, United has to show that they're not a soft target in that department anymore, and it has to start now because, we, we as we just talked about, they kind of sort of gave up another one uh, to Philly. So um, it's as good a time as any to get started on not bleeding goals on set pieces. For the love of God, please stop giving up set piece goals. <laughs> And it's as good a time as any to stop the show. Thank you all for listening. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. And I'm totally going to steal this from a, a different podcast. But if you want to record a voice memo of yourself on, on your phone or your mobile device and email it to us, if we like it, we will put it on the show. Uh, and I just created more work for Ben and he's giving me a dirty look. Uh, but, but we're committed now. No, I, I did not agree with that statement. I, I, I'm not saying we're committed to that. Neither is Jasper. Apparently you have to meet Ben's entertainment standards. If you want him to put it in, you better, better. it it has to be good. It has to be good. So, so make it good. goats Goats are probably played out. So don't give us goat content. Holy cow. Who are you and what have you done with Ben? I don't like the sound of that. I do like the sound of that. Goats are only for us. Goats are only for me and Jason. Come up with your own bit. What if we're talking about somebody who's sought out a goat and does a bit with a live goat over their phone? I feel like well, that's, that's, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. legit. That, okay. That's legit. I'm, I'm down with that. Okay. I just want to make sure that, you know, if people are putting in the effort to find a goat, if they're, if they're just coming on calling us and saying goat, then okay, that's not really. That's not yeah, yeah, yeah. Please if, don't if hurt find, any goats. Please do not hurt any goats. No, do not hurt, hurt any goats. And don't trespass. Uh, yes. ask, don't get arrested. Ask just goat owner if you can hang out with their goat for a second. Like, yeah, we're already in trouble, aren't we? We really are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. We really appreciate it when you do that. For Jason and Ben, I am Adam, and we will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, trespassing. <laughs> <laughs>